Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Eric, and I'm joined by my friend Andrew, and we'll be talking about video game news and what we're playing uh, this podcast. So thank you so much. This is our first podcast recording together. Uh, welcome, Andrew. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for that intro. And hi, everyone. Hope you enjoy this podcast. It's just two dudes, um, regular dudes, having fun, talking about video games. We both have full-time jobs that we work from Monday to Friday and really, really have a passion for gaming. And um, I can only speak for myself here, but I'm more so the casual gamer. So if you're someone that falls in that boat, I think you'll probably be able to relate to what I have to say a lot. Um, so hopefully, you know, you have some fun, you enjoy some of the topics we're talking about. We'll try to give our opinions on um, a lot of the things that are going on so that you kind of get a fresh take and we're not just regurgitating things that you might hear on YouTube or other other gaming podcasts. So we're really, really excited to be here. Um, Eric, did you want to talk, I guess, a little bit about your perspective and where you're coming from? Yeah, so I'm someone who, you know, has actively been playing games for a little while now. Uh, Currently stream games on Twitch. Uh, I make videos for YouTube and TikTok and, and all that stuff. So I would say, like, I'm pretty heavily involved in the ongoings of the video game world. Uh, kind of weird to say that, but I guess that is accurate at this point. Uh, and yeah, I, I play a variety of games from PlayStation to PC games to Nintendo games to all the great uh, Xbox games that are now on Game Pass on PC. So yeah, uh, my I guess my experience with games uh, first started when I was literally like four years old, and I've been playing since then, since the uh, since the days that my my parents put an NES controller in my hand. So playing nice. uh, playing Mario. So yeah, ever since then, it's kind of blossomed into an incredible uh, love and passion for games. And you know what a time it is to be living in a world where we have all these amazing games coming out seemingly like almost every day. So yeah, yeah, we really are spoiled. We we are we are so excited to <laughs> talk to you about like some of the ongoings of like what's happening right now and maybe some stuff that's coming up in the future. Uh, we have quite a list of things to talk about today, so let's just jump into cool, it. Cool, cool. Yeah, let's do it. Um, yeah, I mean, you mentioned that the NES was your first um, console. Mine was Nintendo sixty four. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yes. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's um, you know I. I'm sad that I didn't keep it. Um, I think we ended up handing it down to a younger cousin. Um, so, you know, hindsight's 2020. Now, uh, with all the consoles that I have, I try and keep them in good shape. And they are definitely staying with me so that I can reminisce and be super nostalgic about it when, uh, you know, 10, 20 years from now. Uh, when we've moved on to like, I don't know, the PlayStation <laughs> 10 or whatever, um, you know, uh, so yeah, that's, that's kind of my take that really jumped out at me. So thanks for saying that um, NES was such a good uh, console, I ended up emulating that console along with the, the games that it had. So uh, great experience, retro gaming is, is where it's at. And we're going to talk about some indie games that reflect on uh you know that that kind of look back on that time of retro gaming uh because it's still very much alive and um going strong today so 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but you know, we'll talk about that soon. Andrew, though, I have to I have to ask the the question: What like do you remember what color your N64 controllers were? Like, was it the base model or were there some funky ones? Because like that console had some really interesting controllers. It did. It did. <laughs> I I had the base, I believe. Yeah. Okay. It, like looking back, I w I wish I w had like the. Uh, the the semi-transparent yes like, purple and green like those seem really cool like hulk colors um but no I, I just had the the base model that came with the the console um but it, you know if i if i were to get a nintendo 64 today which i have been toying with the idea um i'd definitely pick myself up some some gnarly colored uh colored colored controllers to go along with it nice. what do you have so, so we had like the base version with like the gray controller it came with, and then later on we got the purple like semi-transparent one like you mentioned. And I think at another point we got another controller. I can't even remember though, but yeah, like because I had two siblings, we we would always play multiplayer games, so we had to have at least more than one controller. So our N sixty four was like the Pokemon Stadium N sixty four, so it came with the. the the game inside the box already so we, we had a blast with that uh thankfully like my parents were they had enough hindsight to be like yeah two controllers so that they can play at least right out of the box together but yeah it it's it's so interesting how how that's kind of changed over the years to you know just having the one controller in the box and whatnot but yeah uh <laughs> controllers are so yeah. interesting nowadays <laughs> especially like with all the variations but I'm sure we'll get into that yeah, a little a, bit later. That's a whole another topic we get yeah. into. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, all right. So how about we transition into um, some gaming news? We have uh, a number of uh, different categories and topics that we want to go over. Um, and so you'll, if you tune into this podcast regularly, you'll start to notice a, an ongoing theme. So that's how we thought we would organize this, just so that um, you know you you kind of know what to expect when we're when we chat uh so we have like a nice little flow that goes on but um we're gonna start with our first topic and that's gaming news yeah so the first story we have for today uh is actually going back a couple weeks ago but the new playstation plus was just announced and there are three tiers for it so this has actually been something that's been heavily rumored for a little while now, uh, really excited to actually be able to talk about this. Uh, so basically, PlayStation revealed that they have three tiers for the new PlayStation Plus, which is combining PlayStation Now and PlayStation Plus together. So the first tier is PlayStation Plus Essential, which is basically just PlayStation Plus, as you know it now. As someone who already kind of subscribes to the service, no changes for me and others like me. And then the second tier, which is kind of an interesting tier, is PlayStation Plus Extra. So it's PlayStation Plus added on 100, sorry, 400 playable games from the PS4 and PS5 era. So that's including, they say, blockbuster hits. Uh, we don't know all 400 of those games, but they did say that it'll be games like God of War Ragnarok, uh, Returnal, Death Stranding, and I think the last one was Miles Morales, Spider-Man, so... Yeah, so I guess we'll be getting some really like high quality games out of that for the most part. Will all 400 of those games be the same quality? Who knows? But the last <laughs> tier uh, is the PlayStation Plus Premium. So it's everything that you've had up until now, plus an additional 340 additional games, which include P3, 
PS3 games via cloud streaming, and a catalog of beloved classic games available in both streaming and download options from the original PlayStation, PS2, and PSP generations. So the notable thing there being the PS3 games don't have download capabilities. From my understanding, that's been something that's been very, very difficult for PlayStation to do, uh, given the architecture of the PS3. But at least they're providing us the option for downloads and streaming and stuff like that. Uh, as someone who like loves playing games on the PS3, I'm really excited like to hear that. But interesting to hear your thoughts on it, Andrew, and kind of like what category you'd be most interested in. Just before you get in, though, the pricing breakdown for the US dollars, because that's the main one that they gave for PlayStation Plus on a monthly basis, it's $9.99. PlayStation Plus Extra, it's $14.99. And then the US uh, D version of the PlayStation Plus Premium is $17.99. I think those are all severely uh, lowered in price if you purchase the yearly option, which is, I think, what most people would be doing. But curious to hear what your thoughts are. And if you were to get one of these, which one you'd be getting? Yeah, super interesting. Um, I guess just a little bit of context so that you know where I'm coming from. Um, I grew up a PlayStation person, or sorry, I grew up, I grew up a, a Nintendo person. Uh, <laughs> more recently started getting into PlayStation. Um, recently got a PlayStation 5 um, about uh, a few months back. So last year, 2021 December. So they were, they were pretty hard to come by. Um, just now getting into more PlayStation stuff, but really grew up more on the Nintendo side of things. Uh, it was just like a Nintendo, you know, uh, fan, you know, ride or die. Um, that that was me. Uh, you know, I had all of them, uh, starting from Nintendo 64. Uh, so, you know, for me, like, it's, it's very interesting. It's very enticing to go back and play PlayStation 3 games. Uh, back in the sense that, you know, they're in the past, not back as in revisit them. But, um, you know, I, I find that very appealing. Um, I'm a big fan of retro games, so there's no issue for me to go to go and play these, these older games and, um, you know, have the older graphics and, um, you know, like controls as well so that's not that's not a turnoff for me um because i do know that it's somewhat of a time capsule you know you're, you're going back in time to when this was released and enjoying it uh that way so not super picky about those things um but if i were to go with one of the options i don't know i think i'd probably go with the mid the mid tier there um that's what i was thinking as I well I feel like for the price point, um, what's offered, I think I could really justify going with that. Um, you know, super excited to hear, uh, to get the list of all of those games that will be coming out. Um, 400 sounds like a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm sure there's going to be some really good ones in there. Um, and, you know, for someone like me, again, that grew up a Nintendo fanboy and had like all the Nintendo systems, um, it's, it's very exciting to be able to experience these older PlayStation games. Um, and what better way than to um, access them through the online store, right? Um, through their online infrastructure. So, you know, 
Eric, I wanted to ask you, because you, know, you probably have your fingers on the pulse with regard to this more than I do, but how accessible is it right now um, in terms of you know, finding these things and also in terms of uh, price point, like affordability? Is it to go and get a PlayStation 3 and pick up PlayStation 3 physical games uh, to play right now? How accessible is it? So I'd say it's it's tough because like your your Walmarts, like your Toys R Us, like your your big chain stores, I don't believe they sell PS3s anymore. Uh, and and if they do, they might just sell like the PS3 games, like in like the very very discounted pile. Uh, so probably your best bet is finding something through like a third party seller. Uh, I don't believe even GameSpot sells PS3s. I think they might be selling games for the PS3, but not the actual console itself. So the console might be a little harder to get. The games, however, I'm sure that there's always someone selling the games out there. The harder part, though, I think realistically is a lot of these games uh, never got the console jump to the PS4 or to the PS5. So there's there's games like that I can name off the top of my head, specifically, like I think back to... The metal gear solid franchise it never got anything on the ps4 aside from like the new metal gear solid that came out but not the the older games weren't recreated or upscaled in hd or anything like that to the ps4 from the ps3 games or even the ps2 games so i know for myself i played through the metal gear solid collection on ps3 because they was kind of like up in hd and whatnot but I don't think there's like a physical edition that you can buy for that, specifically for Metal Gear Solid 4, that is, because that came out only on the PS3 uh, to, to get that on the PS4 or in the PS5, for instance. So, yeah, there, there are certain games like that that have a difficulty of obtaining if you don't have a console itself. So I know a lot of people were very interested in the premium tier to see, hey, can I play Metal Gear Solid 4? on my ps5 now can i can i play it but yeah the main thing is it looks like you you'll be able to do that but you'll have to be streaming it through their cloud service through what used to be playstation now just kind of integrated into all of this so and just for clarification you can't play playstation 3 games on your playstation 4 or playstation 5. i wish yeah so you can't actually like just put in the disc into the console so yeah the physicals which is a, which is important kind of distinction there, which which makes the benefit of the premium option a little bit more enticing. Uh, I know, again, it goes back to like their cell architecture for the PS3 and kind of what Sony wanted to do at that time. Uh, I guess they wanted to kind of deviate from the other console manufacturers and PC. But since the PS4 was made, they went back to that previous architecture, which is why you can kind of see their, their jump in the generations there. Like you can play the PS one the ps2 uh and the ps4 and ps5 games all natively but you can't play the ps3 games natively so i know there's a whole thing with that with with playstation but interesting to see if that ever becomes a reality because i'm sure if there's enough resources invested into that i'm sure that they'll be able to do it just for them i guess is it worth it at this point to, to put that much money towards it who knows yeah yeah interesting yeah i know i think ideal situation would be uh, you know, you could ha you could access all these games on the latest console, right? Yeah, um, it would be great to play everything. Stay on the PS5. If you have a PS5, you, I think, ideally, kind of like what Microsoft 
has done with the Xbox and the Series X and S. Like you can play everything from all the previous generations on there. Well, I wouldn't say everything. I think there's a few like smaller exceptions, but you can pretty much play everything on that console, which is huge. I think that's something that they've done in the gaming space to really push the envelope forward on bringing back a lot of the classic games that they've had. And the notable thing that they did as well with, uh, I forget what the actual name is for that feature that they have, but you can actually play some of the older games from the, the Xbox 360 era uh, at a higher frame rate than when they were originally released. So like for me, nice. I would love to go back and play like the, the old Dead Space games, for instance, but those are locked on the PS3 and on the streaming service, most likely at a 30 frame per second like lock. Whereas on the Series X and S, I think you can play those at a 60 frames per second, like the frame rate boost, which they have, which is really, really cool. So I hope that's a feature that they bring to the premium side of things. If they don't bring it to the other, uh, like kind of tiers that they have, whatever, maybe that's just a premium tier, but it'd be nice to see them do it at some point because Microsoft's really killing it on that front. So, uh, you know. Yeah. Like we always say, though, competition makes everybody a little bit better. So maybe that's PlayStation's way of being like, okay, like that's something we'll get to eventually. Yeah, absolutely. You said you said so many great things there. I, I really like that Xbox is pushing the envelope there and bringing in some more sort of quality of life um, features to these older games. And I think it just kind of entices, you know, uh, new, old, and... Um, you know, all players alike to just go back and revisit some of these classics. Cause honestly, like they are, there are some really, really good games, you know, games that really kind of set the precedent for the kind of experiences that we're having now. So, um, you know, there's, there's so much, there's so much there. Um, Xbox, you know, and their service is, is really, I think, kind of setting the standard. Um, and I think eventually, uh, you know, the competition, PlayStation, Nintendo will start to follow suit and try to have something similar that can rival what they're offering. Yeah, did you hear that? I think it was one of the bosses at PlayStation, Jim Ryan, he said that they aren't planning to be releasing their first-party games on the service like day and date, like how Xbox does, because it just doesn't fit in with their business model, which, which I get, because they're not wanting to... I, I, I don't know what the right way of saying it. I think he's trying to say they don't want to like kind of water down their first party games. He basically was saying that they won't have as much success if they release it day and date. And I think for them, that means they can't invest quite as much money. But I think Microsoft has shown a pretty successful model with that so far. But at the end of the day, I know Microsoft has a lot more money. At, so they can afford to almost be doing things at a loss for right now until they build up that massive player base, which they've already built up at this point. And that that whole service just kind of essentially pays for itself. Like you hear about all the, any success stories of smaller games getting to the platform and finding a new audience maybe they didn't have before and Microsoft's able to compensate them for that, which is which is huge. So I think uh, I think this, this whole space is really interesting. It's like the streaming wars of video games and Microsoft's doing a really good job on their end, like pushing the envelope. So it'll be interesting to see like what PlayStation does to increase the uh, the output on what PS Plus has here. And who knows, maybe Nintendo will jump into that space. But I think that's a whole different discussion for another day because Nintendo, they just kind of do their own thing. So they don't yeah, really try to yeah, involve and, themselves with this kind of stuff. 
and, and you know what's interesting? It's been working for them. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think that's that's a key point, right? Is I think, you know, it's important to have some healthy competition um, because you know that's really going to help. I think uh, with the growth of the company and with the growth of the fan base. Um, competition, I think, is essential and it's it's needed uh, to hit those milestones and really kind of um, push the envelope, so to speak, within the gaming industry and all industries um, in general, right? Like you look at sports and you have like, you know, the, the, the two top players that are always pushing each other and, you know, their, their performances just get better and better and all the acc- accolades that they that they acquire because they're just there's that healthy competition they're pushing each other but i think at the end of the day like you mentioned something that's really important and it's that they they do what's best for them right like i think nintendo is really um the poster child for this in that you know they're still around they're still relevant they're still going strong sales are insane when it comes to the switch um you know its popularity is immense but it doesn't compare to playstation and xbox when we start to talk about performance and graphics and frame rates um they're really just kind of doing their own thing they're in their own niche right so i think i don't think there's anything wrong with that um and you know we might be seeing that a little bit more with playstation and xbox maybe they're starting to you know realize that hey you know like we're we're competing when it comes to the tech that's involved within our consoles and you know um you know the latest and greatest when it comes to you know graphics and you know um, art design and frame rates um and utilizing all of these things but you know you can't deny that it's important to look at the business model right like um because i think you know there there are going to be fans regardless of of what you do and um staying like true to to your roots and your company and you know what you stand for i think is really important so um i I wouldn't be surprised if we start to see you know xbox and playstation sort of diverge a little bit more and start to create their own their own niche oh yeah well said yeah exactly and, you know, speaking of what's coming up in the future, there's been a big rumor, moving on to the next news story that we have here, of PlayStation acquiring another new game studio. So this is something that's been thrown around by a lot of industry insiders, like notably Craig Miller and Jeff Grubb. Uh, and they've all kind of been confirmed at this point as that there is something coming up. They just can't talk about it to... I guess there's a lot of other things involved behind the scenes. Uh, later, IGN was also confirming from their sources that they have indeed like been purchased a, a big studio or something is at least in the works. So the real question is, which studio would you want them to pick up the most? And is there a game that you would want them to work on? Uh, is, there, is there a choice that you have, Andrew, for a studio that PlayStation should pick up? You know, this is, this is a really good one. I kind of want to hear your thoughts first. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's, yeah. A, that's a great question. So, okay. So here's the, the rumor is, and th- these, this is actually something that's happened literally like the last 24 hours since we've, right before we recorded, the rumor was that they were picking up uh, Hideo Kojima's company. Uh, yeah. And... I've heard about that too on Twitter. 
Yeah, and so that that's been the rumor in the last twenty four hours. And then Kojima, so Kadeo Kojima, like for those who don't know, like the famous uh, director of the Metal Gear Solid games and and a bunch of other games like Silent Hill and stuff like that, but most notably Metal Gear Solid, who went on from Konami, depart from there with like a huge huge thing and made his own studios and playstation funded that studio to make death stranding and now death stranding's on playstation and pc and all that stuff so that's the brief like background on it on this but basically kojima posted on his kojima posts everything on twitter that he does basically so it's it, take all this with a grain of salt as someone who follows kojima it's, it's always interesting seeing what he's posting because he's such a creative mind but anyways he posted i think this was friday uh, evening or something like that uh, that <laughs> you know when you when you go on Twitter and PlayStation acquires a new studio how they say like welcome to the studio or something like that and then they have like this banner of all the other PlayStation like notable characters like they have like Nathan Drake they have Aloy they have Kratos and they're all kind of like a banner up there Kojima posted that on his own Twitter so everybody was just like oh my gosh is Kojima Productions going to be the next studio that PlayStation buys and then literally Three hours later, he's just like, "No, guys, we're, we're not, we're not getting acquired by anyone. We're remaining independent. This was just a joke, kind of thing." And so I, I guess he just missed missed the ball in like the April Fool's joke. Someone probably should have told him that happened like two weeks ago or something. But yeah, I was gonna say that, that'd be great, like uh, April Fool's for sure. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think I think he was just trolling everybody because he just liked to see everybody react on the internet. Like he's he's that kind of guy. Like if if you know him from. You know, even the early days of the Metal Gear Solid game, where he created a whole different game studio and had this these bandages wrapped up on his face and everything for his press conferences. Like, it, there's there's a whole thing. He he loves doing like media stunts and stuff. So uh, I don't. So he's a I, bit of a prankster. He is, yeah. So I can't even believe him when he says no, we're not getting acquired because I think there's still some like realistic possibility that's happening there. But big side tangent. But I think. If I if I were to see PlayStation acquire one studio, the studio that I'd want to see them acquire is actually the former studio that he worked for, which is Konami. So Konami, notably making Metal Gear Solid, like I said, but also making the Silent Hill games and also making the Castlevania games. So I know I that's gonna say those are faves. three beloved franchises, and yeah, it would be weird to see him see kojima not involved in that but i know that he has an existing partnership with playstation so i'm not sure if playstation acquiring konami would then enable them to turn around to kojima and be like hey want to work on these games again i'm not sure like the legality of all of that but it would be great to see something from those franchises again because we haven't really had much from them at all i know we had like a metal gear solid game that came after kojima that really didn't have much to do with like the style of metal gear solid uh, and people were pretty disappointed with that. And since then, the running joke with Konami is that they just make pachinko machines and stuff. And that's the only way you're going to see like Snake and Alucard and all these other famous characters that they have from their series. And people have really specifically been craving for a Silent Hill game. And there's been a lot of teases of that. So, yeah, I think that would be so interesting to see PlayStation acquire that studio because they have such a long history of games. And it kind of just feels like all of their games at this point are getting sold off uh, in, in parts as like NFTs in a way. <laughs> I'm not sure if you kept up with the news of like the Konami Castlevania stuff, but they're basically just selling off like Castlevania artwork in the game as NFTs. So that's what yeah, they've been doing at the moment. 
which is kind of sad. So yeah, it is, I, yeah. I almost just like want for the sake of those franchises for PlayStation to, to pick them up to be just, just to revive them, just to rescue them from their like just state of nothing, like nothing happening. So yeah, those, those are yeah, just my thoughts. Agreed. Not, not sure what, what you think on that, Andrew. <laughs> yeah, those are some great thoughts. Honestly, I'm going to, I'm going to have to agree with you hundred percent on this. <laughs> Um, I'm a, I'm a, somewhat of a fan of Castlevania, <laughs> to put it, uh, you know, to, to put it one way. But, you know, I, I, um, I really enjoyed those games on Game Boy, um, on the Nintendo 64. So Castlevania is definitely one of my favorites. Um, one that I've been getting into a little bit more on the Switch is uh, Bloodstained. The Bloodstained mm. series, yeah. so you know it's very reminiscent of Castlevania. Um, so I'd love to see some some more modern Castlevania stuff come to life. And you know, I'm gonna go off on a bit of a tangent here, but I was a big <laughs> fan of the Castlevania Netflix series as oh well. Oh gosh, yes. Um, yeah. So some really really good Castlevania stuff that's kind of been you know sort of coming around a bit. You know, um, that is directly related to it. Um, or indirectly related, inspired by. And I think we've seen like a huge resurgence of 2D platformer games um, that have shown, have demonstrated that they've been extremely successful in this day and age. So um, I could definitely see something, um, you know, there and I could see Castlevania, um, you know, for, for lack of a, of a better phrase, um, resurrected as a franchise so that would be that would be amazing um you just got me hyped right now with that thought um silent hill i kind of just wanted to like revisit that real quick so um how about that like sort of weird reference that guillermo del toro made um during what was it the gaming awards yep yep yeah mm-hmm. yeah so you know there's <laughs> there's hype there's hype for sure you know uh i dev- i think you know I, I think myself, along with um, a lot of other people, would love to see that. Um, and even I'm sure there's a lot of people that haven't experienced the Silent Hill franchise mm-hmm. um, that would thoroughly enjoy the experience. Um, you know, there, there's been a, a horror revival as well when it comes to uh, the genre on all consoles. So, yeah. Um, you know, it's 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 about time, right? It's been years. Like, let's 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 make this stuff happen. I definitely want to play it. <laughs> um, you know, within my lifetime, I know that's kind of a, a a kind of funny thing to say, but you know, sometimes you know, you hear you know that it might come around and then it doesn't, and you know, it, it's things are never set in stone when it comes to um, you know rumors with with games so we'll see what happens but uh, i agree with you 100 percent on uh on konami gosh and i i just have to circle back real quick to the castlevania netflix show like if you haven't watched that show please do it's such a good show like especially the final season that came out it's it's just it's so good that it almost makes me sad because the only that's the only thing to come up for castlevania um in almost 10 years like I just looked it up really quickly right now. The last like mainline Castlevania game, Castlevania Lord of Shadow 2, that came out in 2014, in February of 2014. So it's been 
almost 10 years now that we've gotten a mainline Castlevania game, which is insane. And That's absurd. Yeah. It's crazy, right? So it'd be nice to get something with that, some kind of revival. I don't I don't know what they would do with that, but like you said, even to like your Silent Hill point, I think these are such notable franchises. People just know about them. Even if you haven't played these games, you know about these franchises. And I think there's such an interesting opportunity if they were to get bought by PlayStation that they could do a revival of these games, almost in the style of like the Resident Evil revival that they've done with a lot of their remakes for Resident Evil 2 and Resident Evil 3 remake, notably. So, I mean, they don't have to change up the formula completely, but if they just made it like a polished experience with all of the modern tools that we have nowadays, who knows how that could look? It could be very interesting. So, I know a lot of people have been really clamoring for Silent Hill. Uh, I myself would love to see more Metal Gear stuff, and I'm sure there's a huge crowd, like we've been mentioning, for Castlevania. So, I guess at this point, we just have to wait and see. But in terms of waiting and seeing, we don't have to wait and see what Remedy is doing next for uh, their next game, which is going to this is going to be a Max Payne remake. This is our next story uh, coming from Kotaku, where Kotaku talks about how Remedy and Rockstar have teamed up. Rockstar Games, notably the people who make GTA, Remedy, the studio who notably made Max Payne, as well as the recently released Control game which has had a lot of success, that they want to do a remake of the PS2 era games, uh, which is huge because there's a huge fan base around this, and they will be exclusive to the PS5 and Xbox Series X and S and PC, meaning that they're next-gen exclusive or current-gen, however you want to say that. So it'll be interesting because it sounds like they'll really be pushing the envelope on this, and I know Remedy has done uh, a remake in the past, most notably very recently with Alan Wake, and they're going to be making Alan Wake 2, so who knows, maybe this can lead to a future Max Payne release down the road, Max Payne 3, when they're gearing up for that. Remedy, I know, has kind of been, you know, working like, like an octopus with, like, all their tentacles in different sectors of games that they're working on. I know they're working on, like, a couple of Control sequels or something in that universe. Nice. I know they're working, like, I just mentioned the Alan Wake 2 game. And I know now that they're working on these Max Payne games. So they're doing a lot of stuff, which is great because, honestly, Remedy makes some really, really cool games. What, what do you think about this, uh, Andrew? Have you really gotten into, like, the Max Payne games or anything that Remedy's made in the past? I, I haven't, and um, I, I'm kind of saddened by it. Um, you know, it's, it's funny that you brought up Control because I, I have a physical of it. Um, I haven't played it yet. It's still in the, in the wrapper, but um, it is on the to do list. It's it's on the ne the ever growing backlog of games. Uh, it honestly is a good problem to have, because I would rather have too many games than not enough. Um, I think yes. a lot of people can relate to that and would agree. Definitely a good problem to have, but uh, it's it's there and it's one that I've been eyeing. Um, it might actually be the next game that my partner plays. Um, she's been getting into quite a few of the PlayStation games. She recently beat Kana Bridge of Spirits. Um, also the, the, the Spider-Man, the Amazing Spider-Man, and then also the Miles Morales uh, that came out as well. Um, she's got, she's actually got quite a few under her belt. Um, the, uh, Oh gosh, what was it called? Ratchet and Clank, the, the, the new the one that part? came out for the PlayStation Five. Yeah, um, amazing, amazing games. 
Um, you know, it'd be great to have her on the podcast to get her thoughts on it because she's she's honestly out of the two of us has really been playing the PlayStation Five um, more than I have. So she's got some good she's got some good mileage on there. Um, I've kind of been I've sort of gone back to the the Nintendo Switch, but Control is is on the list. It's one that I've been eyeing. Um, you know, if anything, I might just watch her play. So that would be, that'd be really fun. But, um, the Alan Wake, uh, also picked up the, uh, the remake of mm-hmm. the first one. Um, so that one is there too. It's, it's on the list to, to check out, but both really promising games. I mean, the graphics look amazing. Um, I'm very much into sort of the, dark mysterious um somewhat horror uh feel that these games give off so honestly even without playing the games i i am a fan from afar (laughs) I, i can really recognize um you know what they've done and what they've put together um i i definitely love the feel and and honestly, can't wait to to get started on some of these games. But that is great news. I'm very happy to to hear yeah. that these games are are going to be remade. Yeah, and like with all the new games coming out on Horizon, I'm I'm kind of glad that we've been getting kind of like an influx of remakes to games that maybe a lot of people have missed in the past. So, you know, like I mentioned before, we have the Resident Evil remakes, which are huge because. And a lot of people weren't able to play those games when they first released. And it's been especially some time since like the first two Resident Evil games were released. So it's cool to see all of these remakes coming back, especially like Final Fantasy VII remakes. So the, it's it's cool to see them coming back to the extent that they're coming back in, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Because it's it we had a little bit of a period of time where we had just like kind of remasters and semi-remakes. And they were good for that time for what we wanted. But I think there was an audience that wanted so much more. And we got that with the Final Fantasy VII Remake. We got that with Resident Evil 2 and 3 Remake. So I hope they continue that trend with remakes moving forward. And I think Great. Remedy is a company that is really capable of doing that. We've, we've seen their work on display. So just excited for all of this. Because, yeah, I'm also someone who hasn't played the Max Payne games. But I would definitely play remedies remake of it if if it looks amazing so i wish i'm sure it will 100 yeah, percent. but yeah yeah now you know yeah talking about um final fantasy 7 remake i mean there's talk about final fantasy 9 remake with the nvidia leak yeah yeah <laughs> and you know what <laughs> you know what was on the nvidia leak the next game we're going to be talking about kingdom hearts 4 which was announced the last weekend Yes, Kingdom Hearts 4 was announced uh, this past week, and we got a new look at Sora, we got a new look at the graphics engine they'll be using, which is Unreal Engine 4. Notably, they mentioned they will be switching over to Unreal Engine 5 as production starts up for it even more. Uh, They're currently in the early stages of it, but yeah, this game was part of the NVIDIA leak that disclosed a bunch of games that a lot of them have been confirmed, which is crazy to think. Uh, so we got to see in the trailer, we got a new look at Sora, like I had mentioned, but also in this whole new world of Quadratum. Apologies if I mispronounced that. But we also got a look at the gameplay, which looks super fluid. And we got a final look at Donald and Goofy at the end. So, Andrew, you've had a chance to look at this trailer. What did you think about it? And is this going to get you to hop into Kingdom Hearts? Uh, it absolutely is going to. Um, 
I, I haven't played any of the Kingdom Hearts games. Um, I've looked at it from afar, similar to Max Payne. I've seen the artwork. I'm big on artwork. I really love, um, you know, checking out the different styles. And I, I think Kingdom Hearts has a has a very unique um, art style. I think everyone can agree um, on that. Uh, it's it, it's definitely not, um, you know, the the sort of typical Final Fantasy um, look that uh, a, a lot of the a lot of that franchise shares, but it, it does look it looks very very um, exciting for sure. I mean, um, uh, Eric, I was watching your um, your brief sort of uh, news on Kingdom Hearts Four, and you mentioned that uh, Sora's movement in battle is reminiscent of spider-man's movement mm -hmm. uh and yeah that that's honestly that is very very appealing to me hopefully the sort of gameplay that we saw in that trailer um is accurate and it stays that way because you know things could can obviously change um you know i'm sure we'll talk about the announcement and how how much ahead of time um these kingdom hearts for or these <laughs> kingdom hearts announcements are typically done and how things can kind of change a lot between then and when it's released so we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit but hopefully you know that stays intact not much has changed or if it is changed it's just kind of uh, added um, on top of the current base gameplay that we saw but it looks super exciting i mean this huge um you know demon slash monster um that's featured in the trailer and sora going up against him it's kind of like you know um david and goliath so to speak and it's just this epic battle that's going on um so just yeah i, I can't wait you know i'm again i'm not a kingdom hearts fan but uh, i'm very much looking forward to getting my hands on this um when it gets released it looks so good like i you know, Kingdom Hearts games have looked good in the past, but it looks like they're making a huge leap with this one in terms of the art style that they're going with. They're certainly going for a more of a realistic look than they've gone in the past, which is interesting to see. And we've seen a lot of stuff showcased uh, recently, notably with Unreal Engine 5, with Epic offering that for free now for everybody. So I know they had mentioned that this isn't even how the final game will look. And like you said... This game will go through a lot of iterations, so this is all on Unreal Engine 4. Uh, for those of you who haven't watched the trailer, certainly go look it up online. But the the final game will likely look even better than this if they do make that transition over to Unreal Engine 5. The big question, I know we had spoken about this briefly before, Andrew, when this game was first announced, was when is this game actually coming out? Because Square Enix, especially with the Kingdom Hearts franchise, as many Kingdom Hearts fans probably already know, uh, they've had a bit of a track record with releasing or announcing games way, way, way ahead of time. <laughs> and we the sadly, the fans have had to wait so, so long to get the final release of the product. So I think for me, uh, I just I just wish that they announced these games a little bit closer to the final release of the game. You don't got to like announce it right on the release date, but maybe they'll announce it, say, five years out from here, which I think is still a very real possibility of the time frame that we're looking at for this game, which is kind of sad to think about that we're getting teased this early. Because now everyone, every Kingdom Hearts fan especially, 
at every single PlayStation event, Square Enix event, like big event that is going to be happening in the next two to four years or so, they're going to be asking, where's Kingdom Hearts 4? Where's Kingdom Hearts 4? And I don't think we're, we're going to sound like a broken record for sure. <laughs> exactly. Because, you know, there, there's people that do that already for other games. But I know the Kingdom Hearts fan base is very vocal fan base. So they they really like their Kingdom Hearts games. They're very passionate about them. And as as they should be, because they're they're really fun games to play. So, yeah, I'm just curious when this will actually get released. Because, yeah, I don't, I don't even think that will be the final gameplay that they have. It looks really great, but... I'm sure it'll feature a lot of iterations. If we can get something similar to this, because oh my gosh, it's like Sora running at at his opponent, like summoning his Keyblade, like and then just going so fluidly into climbing buildings and then grappling to floating cars, running up the side of walls. Yeah, sign me up for that. Like I I want all of that. And yeah, it it looks very fluid, like Spider Man. If you can get that same kind of fluidity in the movements and his ability to do attacks and chain attacks and do some of his uh, more powerful attacks all in like the span that we're seeing and the scope that we're seeing in this trailer. I think that would be incredible. I just hope that we get something close to that in the final release whenever that happens. So yeah. What, what, what are your Agreed. thoughts though, Andrew, on like companies releasing games like this so far in advance without any kind of release date in sight? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. And um you know, Eric, I'm just kind of reflecting on some of the, the discussions that we had about this. And honestly, I have a love-hate relationship with it. Um, the closest thing that I can relate it to is Breath of the Wild 2. And all of the announcements and all of the teasers and trailers that have been coming out for it, but um, not being told when exactly it's going to come out. Um, not... not knowing for sure um, when not having a concrete timeline, right? Um, it, it's, it, it just feels like they keep leading us on and on and on. And my problem with that is that we start to become desensitized to these teasers, to these trailers. It starts to kill the hype. And, um, you know, the next time we, we get a mention of it during... Um, you know, a Nintendo Direct or, you know, uh, a Twitter um, post, it's, we kind of know what to expect, right? We, we, we're expecting, okay, they're going to give us a little bit more, they're going to delay it. Um, they're, they're not going to be straightforward or forthcoming with us about um, when it's going to be released. Um, and it's, yeah, it, it's just like they're kind of feeding us crumbs here and there. And it just, after, after some time, like I mentioned, we we start to just become desensitized to it. And um, there are a lot of questions, obviously, with regard to, you know, are, are there issues with, uh, like, you know, the, the, the production? Like, you know, is, is there something going on? Like, you know, your, your mind kind of starts to wander and start to think, okay, maybe this game's in trouble, right? So I think if we knew a little bit more, those questions would be answered and we wouldn't potentially feel apprehensive about the direction that this game is going in. Um, and if you have too long of a gap between when you tease something and when it actually comes out, I think you're going to just, you're going to lose a lot of those initial people that were, that were interested. And, and I'm talking more about not the hardcore, you know, diehard fans, 
I'm talking about just the casual players, right? Because there are definitely more casual players than there are hardcore fans of franchises. And if you look at it from a business perspective, you know, you, you want to get as many people buying this game, picking it up day one as possible. So I'm not sure it's a great business decision um, when it comes to, you know, sales and, um, you know, getting as many day one buyers as possible. Uh, I know, remember, I remember we, we chatted, Eric, you, you talked about um, another sort of reason, like a business reason as to why some companies do that. And I'll, and I'll let you kind of speak a little bit more on it. But I guess from a consumer, from a casual player, um, I do fear that we will start to become desensitized to these these teasers and it'll just become status quo and uh we won't put much stock into them yeah no i think everything you said there is like pretty spot on uh with my experiences with early announcements as well which is definitely what i wanted to, to touch upon so i think you said it all really well uh just to put this into context for those who don't know this trailer and this announcement as a whole was kind of announced during the kingdom hearts 20th anniversary event so it made sense that they wanted to announce something new here. Uh, and, you know, as mentioned, as Andrew mentioned, I think there are certain business ongoings, discussions, considerations that, you know, really need to be applied here in the context of this announcement as well. I think for, for businesses announcing something ahead of time, usually this far ahead of time, has to do with investment uh, investors. Uh, and you can notably kind of think back to even Cyberpunk 2077, a lot of that. A lot of the announcement and the release of that final game, whether it was ready or not, uh, had to do with investors uh, and pleasing those investors because at the end of the day, these video game companies usually are pretty big companies, especially Square Enix. So they're trying to please their investors on what is in the pipeline, what's coming up. It's just, yeah, I agree with what Andrew said, though. Uh, even with all of that into consideration, it's just kind of like sad to see because it's like, yeah, for fans of this series, for even, you know, maybe not as hardcore fans, how long are you willing to wait for something like this before your interest in it kind of dies out? And I think Kingdom Hearts has really struck a really great balance, especially with, with the game franchise, with having super hardcore fans. Fans that'll play any game in the series, no matter what, because they release a lot of games in the series. Like, they have mobile games, they have games on uh, handheld consoles, like, everything. And to get the full story of Kingdom Hearts, you need to play pretty much all of them. Uh, to get the full picture of it. It's kind of like if you watch like the MCU movies, uh, if you were to just play like the Kingdom Hearts games with numbers on them, you would only be watching the Avengers movies, but to get the full scope of everything, you need to play everything else, just like you need to watch like the Spider-Man and the Doctor Strange and the Iron Man movies. But uh, going off a bit of a tangent there, I think it does a good job of pulling in newer fans of the series as well, because just kind of looping back to the beginning of the trailer here, we got a little bit of a forest scene in the beginning, which looked very, very pretty with like the sunlight coming through the trees. It, it looks, it really does look gorgeous, but there's a notable scene in the background that a lot of people have been picking apart. And it looks like the foot of an ATST from Star Wars, <laughs> just in the background there, just kind of like, if you pause, if you're looking for reference for people who want to look at the trailer, the Kingdom Hearts 20th anniversary trailer, if you pause to about four minutes, 42 seconds you notice in the right top hand corner there's a notable like mechanical foot just in the middle of the forest here and you don't get like a great look at it but you know as a star wars fan who's grown up on star wars i can say without a doubt that that is indeed the foot of an atst so i i think they're 
they're bringing in people who maybe haven't been huge fans of the series in the past who have been uh kind of always been interested in it and maybe who are fans of star wars uh into the series with this new iteration i i kind of you know applaud them for not showing that it is star wars right off the bat for kind of throwing the little easter eggs like this uh you know we are filming on easter today so that's that's kind of funny but yeah i think uh <laughs> i think it's funny because it's always fun to speculate with the new kingdom hearts game because they are so heavily associated with disney what new franchises will they introduce in the next game and i think you know star wars is definitely on the table here and who knows maybe even some marvel franchises might we even see spider-man uh might we see like some iron man avengers stuff i mean spider-man actually might be more of a tricky one because the whole sony thing but yeah it, it really open opens up the you know the the round table of speculation on what we could see here but i'm sure once we get more information we'll start to learn a little bit more about that and as things get disclosed, it'll be more interesting to kind of speculate on like what we'll be seeing. But yeah, it, it's just so far away. We we don't know when this is coming out, but it's just something fun to discuss because I know that there was so much, so much uh, hype this past weekend about it. I know there's a lot of people who were very, very, very happy about the announcement. So just to end that on a good note, happy for all you Kingdom Hearts fans. But yeah, was there anything else you wanted to add there, Andrew? Yeah, absolutely. Just a couple of thoughts. Like, imagine Baby Yoda in a Kingdom Hearts game. Oh my god. The internet would explode. <laughs> the Mandalorian just pops up behind Sora, like puts his hand on him, like Grogu just kinda like walks by. Oh my I can I can picture it now. Donald and Goofy are like, yeah. What's this guy over here? That's a terrible goofy impersonation, but yeah, you can you could picture the scene already. <laughs> Yeah, every household would pick up that game. <laughs> Grogu, Grogu, oh like on gosh. the cover of Kingdom Hearts Four, I'd I'd buy it. I just just for 100%. that alone, just just for the art. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> honestly, uh, I feel like businesses don't realize, like you know, like they don't really need to do that much work. <laughs> like I think that there's there are a lot of fans. I mean, if you get these crossovers, it's just epic. I think. That would yeah. be amazing, um, you know, to, to have some of those characters in this game. Uh, so many people would be happy. So much fan service. Um, that would just be epic. Like, just something for, you know, the collection. Um, those are kind of just defining moments um, within video game history um, that you just, you, you can't forget, you know, that you just want to be a part of. Oh my gosh. I'm, you just got me thinking. I'm just imagining Donald and Goofy flying in an X-Wing. <laughs> Oh my gosh, yeah, that'd be cool. It's <laughs> so funny. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Yeah. I know. Yeah, that that is yeah, my mind is just wandering now with all that stuff. But um back when you were talking about Kingdom Hearts and you know some of the other styles of games, um Melody of Memory has jumped into my mind. I don't know if you if you played it, but it's like uh it's it's a, a rhythm game. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've played rhythm games or anything. I haven't a whole lot. Uh, I remember back in the day I was playing, it was kind of like DDR, but on your uh, computer. So I used like, you know, the, the arrow keys and some other keys to play that game. But, it, you know, it's just interesting how you, you get the these franchises starting to um, produce games that are that are slightly different in genre and how you can kind of you know start to start to reel in um fans and players uh from 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 different uh 
you know, different genres, right? People that kind of enjoy point and click and, you know, you, you have these kind of rhythm games and, um, you know, these sort of uh, visual visual novel games and stuff. I think there's some, there's some interesting niche uh, genres that, that can be explored. So, um, yeah, I, ju I just thought I would bring that up because when you're talking about, you know, different... Uh, Kingdom Hearts games, that one kind of came to mind. I, I haven't played it myself, but um, you know, I just thought I would thought I would bring that up. Yeah, that's such an interesting point. Like I feel like that's one of the few, you know, games that have it's it's basically done everything at this point. Like I, I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> eventually if we got like a Kingdom Hearts sports game or something like that. Like it it's gone in so many different directions. I know that's crazy. Probably fans of the series are listening Star right Star now. Smash too, right? Yeah, exactly. So, like, technically, he's he's in a fighting game. So, yeah, it would be interesting to see what direction that they go with this, what kind of new elements that they bring. It looks like they're going to be throwing a lot of new things in this game, which is cool. Uh, but that game is, is pretty far away, Andrew. I think what we're going to switch over to now are some games that we've actually completed, games that we've been playing and just talking about you know, what we like and dislike about them. So our next segment, we're just going to hop into it, which is called Completed Games. And Andrew, I know that there's a game that you completed fairly recently, if you want to talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so this segment is is going to be um, pretty fun to talk about. And again, I'm coming from a casual gamer perspective, so it won't be a super technical uh, review. But, you know, this is a game that is not... Um, like super recent by any means, but it is Travis Strikes Again, um, part of the No More Heroes franchise. And it's one that I've been getting into um, as of recent. And um, I wanted to talk about this one because it is a um, hack and slash. It's a top-down view uh, when when you start to play the game. And you know, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It, uh, you know, it has its quirks when it comes to uh, loading screens and there is lag present. Um, by the way, I should mention that I played this game on the Nintendo Switch. Um, and I played it mainly docked, but I did at times play it um, handheld. And it looks beautiful on the OLED screen. That is the current version of the Switch that I have, but um, it, it got me hooked. And it's it's a very um, you know the mechanics are quite easy to uh, to grasp. It's nothing crazy when it comes to the control scheme. There are some abilities that you can play around with that make things really fun. But honestly, if you're a fan of hack and slash games, you kind of know the the structure of it. It's just um, you know, it's very repetitive. It's one of those things that you can just turn your mind off and just let your hands fly. You know, you, you, with hack and slash games, you know, you, you can kind of make your way through the game um, by button mashing. But, you know, as you start to kind of progress into the, the story, or if you decide to do a new game plus with harder difficulty, you'll start to realize that you need to be more strategic with your um with your attacks and with your combinations so you know honestly that the hack and slash genre is just so welcoming to all um gameplay levels from novice all the way to advanced so um 
Yeah, I, I beat the game on normal difficulty. I may beat it um, on the harder difficulty. But as I mentioned, there's so many games in my backlog that uh, I was just happy to beat it. And, um, you know, maybe I'll revisit revisit it later on. Uh, I do love the soundtrack. If you're someone that enjoys rock, lo-fi, uh, some hip-hop beats, there's also a little bit of jazz in there as well. I think you're really going to enjoy it. Sometimes I think the musical score can really make a big impact on a game. So I think that really helps uh, this game shine and starts to and really brings up the rating um, in general for me. Uh, the graphics are nothing, you know, to to kind of put on a pedestal or anything, but you know it gets the job done. The hopping mechanic is a little wonky. Um, <laughs> there's a there's there's a you know, there's a bit of a platforming element in there as well. So there's some kind of, if you've played any of the No More Heroes uh, games, you'll realize that the developers do like to give you a variety of gameplay styles. So, you know, you'll have top down, you'll have kind of retro um, shooter uh, segments as well, some different puzzles here and there. So you, you get a little bit of variety in the Travis Strikes Again game, um, which is nice, but the the platform is a little wonky, so I do have to um, I do have to mention that. But if you're someone that doesn't mind those things, and you're someone that does like to just get through, uh, you know, through through the platform, through the games, uh, no matter what, someone you know that's similar to myself, where you know you, you'll kind of you find these sort of lacking mechanics as a challenge and like to overcome, then you might enjoy this game uh, as much as I did. So just something to keep in mind. Overall, it was a great game. I enjoyed it as someone that works, you know, from from Monday to Friday, nine to five. Uh, it felt nice to just go home and turn off the brain and, and uh, you know, kick some butt um, on Travis Strikes again. So I would I would recommend it for someone um, who can, who likes hack and slash, who doesn't mind sort of wonky controls and looks at it as a challenge, uh, rather than a hindrance and can really appreciate the style of music that I mentioned. Um, so it's, it's quite niche. I would say, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say yes, go out and buy it to every single person. Um, but if you're in the camp that I just mentioned, then definitely pick it up. Nice. Nice. Uh, yeah, I might have to pick it up myself. Sounds like a fun time. Um, yeah, as, as for myself, uh, the completed game that I'm going to be bringing up today is Horizon Forbidden West. Uh, it's a pretty big game, so a lot of you likely know about it. It came out about two months ago from now. Uh, but just brief background on it, it follows Aloy, the protagonist of the game. And basically, the world that she's living in is a world that is set in the future, but has taken uh place in a post-apocalyptic kind of era where a lot of the technologies of the world have yeah uh, you know they haven't really been as people at that time period haven't been able to use it as uh well with as well of an understanding as as you know how we currently do so there there is part of that and there is robot dinosaurs roaming around in the open world so you basically have to take down robot dinosaurs with bow and arrows and other makeshift weapons that you have at your disposal which creates for a pretty interesting 
uh, adventure and following up the footsteps of the first game, Horizon Zero Dawn, there was a lot of questions at the ending of that game where things would go. So I like that it kind of picks up directly where that game left off in terms of the story. So yeah, I, honestly though, guys, like just to cut this like really, really quick, I love this game. Like this is such a good game. I, I'd be surprised if this isn't a lot of people's game of the year, uh, or at least in contention for a game of the year. Uh, I, I know that Elden Ring has come out this year, so that will likely get a lot of shine onto it, but I hope people don't sleep on this game because it had such such a great narrative to it. The, the characters that are written in this game are fully developed characters, like they're not just one-dimensional characters, and there's a lot of them. So you're meeting someone new, basically, like, it feels like every, like, 20 minutes in this game, which is insane. And even the side missions in this game are incredible. I, I would almost put it up there with, like, some of the side missions of The Witcher 3, which, if you know me, that's one of my favorite games of all time. And especially for the side missions, those are incredibly written. So it, it's up there with that caliber. And, you know, this game has, it's, first and foremost, a gorgeous-looking game. Like, it it's... It's probably the best looking game that I've ever played. And that translates across not only just the cutscenes, but even the side missions. Like, I don't know. There's dialogue scenes with side characters that look like fully rendered cutscenes in other games. So I think that's just a testament to how good looking this game is. It has so many small details in it as well. Like Aloy literally sweats in a game when she's in hotter climates and shivers when she's in colder climates. But yeah, it's, it's incredible as for like the gameplay. It does a really a lot of really great things well uh, as far as like the melee combat. You know they introduce a lot of new combos in this game. There's a lot of great projectile combat with the variety of weapons that you have at your disposal. So if if you're someone who really loves open world games, it's probably one for you to play. Uh, if you're someone who's not as much into like story games, then probably not for you because a huge big plot plus of the game is the story element, the narrative element in this game. But yeah, if you're just someone who wants to experience something really great, really refined at this point, you know, there's there's a lot of debate going on right now, like what's the style of open world game people should be going forward with, like the Elden Ring style, where it gives you very little guidance, just free flowing, just take it as, as you want, or a little bit more of a guided experience, kind of like Horizon. Uh, I, I tend to like a little bit of both. I think there's a spot for both of these. But the great thing about Horizon as well is it, it gives you the option if you do want to have more of a guided experience for those who really, you know, like to have all those little details on their map so that they can follow along. Or if you're someone who wants something closer to more of an Elden Ring experience with a less like handholdy kind of uh, mode, they also have the option for that as well. So that's just something I really wanted to shout out in this game because I don't feel like enough games do that. And it really takes the user experience into consideration here as to how people want to play their games uh, directly. So really got to applaud for that. As Andrew mentioned, like we're, we'll be talking about like some musical stuff coming up with these games, but just a huge shout out to the musical score in this game because it, it is just fantastic. So really would suggest if yeah. you have a PS5 playing it on there, but I know because that's how I played, but I know a lot of people who played on PS4 also had a good time with it. So it, it's kind of crazy to think that this game can run well on the PS4, but it does. So I think that just goes to show how well optimized it is. But yeah. Andrew, I know you'll you'll be playing Horizon at some point coming up. I know you mentioned. Oh, 100%. Today. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you you uh I mean, all you have to do is just take a look at the trailer and <laughs> I feel like uh that's all I did and I, I was kind of sold, but you definitely 
um, with your descriptions of the game and, you know, um, based on, you know, your experience with the first title, um, Horizon Zero Dawn, um, you know, I, I definitely feel like uh, I'm going to check out this game. It is, um, you know, it's been mentioned, as you said, a contender for Game of the Year. So, you know, if, if, if anything, I mean, you, you should definitely check out this game based on that. Like it's it's a it's a contender for a reason. There's a, it's got a lot going for it, and you know what's interesting, Eric? I didn't even realize, but the two games that we're talking about for um, completed games, they're they're kind of opposites. Like if you yeah. want if you want to just turn off your 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 brain and just do some senseless hack and slash, you know, check out Travis Strikes Again. If you want to if you want to kind of um, experience a little bit more dialogue, some more story. Um, have a little bit more kind of immersion. Um, there's still a lot of great action and um, battle mechanics in Horizon. Um, check out Horizon if you're more kind of uh, of that speed. So you know you can you can check out both. Um, you know if if you have both systems, Nintendo Switch and PlayStation Four or Five. Um, but you know it's kind of interesting how they're almost kind of opposites there. Um, and we did, we didn't really kind of plan that out, but <laughs> that's that's pretty jokes. Um, uh, you know, I have to ask, and I feel like um, there might be other people that are thinking the same. Do I have to play, or should I? Is it recommended that I play Horizon Zero Dawn before I play Horizon Forbidden West? Yeah, it's a good question. I I wouldn't say you need to play it because. This game, at the very beginning of the game, it does a really good job at recapping uh, a lot of the events that have happened in Horizon Zero Dawn. So it's it's very, like, you, uh, I guess, friendly to new people of this, the franchise in that regard. Like, it has, like, this whole animated cutscene that goes on for, like, five minutes. You can skip it if you've already played the game before, but it's it's great because it just spells out all the details of Aloy's journey and the world and, uh, you know, just the path and the that she's traveled to get to this point. So it's good in that regard. I would still personally recommend playing the first game because it is such a good game. But if you don't really have the time or space for that game and you only have time for one of these, definitely pick up Horizon Forbidden West because it kind of does everything the first game did, but in a way better way. And it excels in many other new ways like underwater exploration and stuff like that that weren't really as abundant in the first game. So I think that this is just such a better game overall that I would almost recommend someone who hasn't played the first game just to hop into this one. But yeah, if you're someone who wants the full story, the full experience, you know, as with a lot of things, definitely start from the beginning. But yeah, it's it's great to know that it's it's pretty accessible to, to newer people of the series as well. But yeah, that's all we have for you all today. Thank you so much for listening in. We're going to be posting this podcast talking about games pretty much every week so be sure to tune in and listen for that and yeah like we look forward to talking with you all about upcoming games upcoming gaming news and just generating a discussion with that and eventually we'll open it up for kind of listener mail and we love to hear what you all think about it as well so thank you all for listening andrew was there anything else you wanted to add at the end before we sign off here uh no that's it thanks everyone for tuning in we hope you have an awesome rest of your day see you awesome. next time see you next time everyone bye